We're officially recording. What is up, freaks? Welcome to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bent for another edition of Rabbit Hole Recap. We're in a very, very foreign studio here on the roof at the Bitcoin 2019 conference. Uh, we've got some, uh, what is that? Angels Envy? Angels Envy, courtesy of Storms over here. Thank you. And we've got, we've got three guests with us this week, two recurring guests here, and Pierre Rochard and Bitcoin Sign Guy. Thanks for coming on, guys. And a new guest, Francis Paulette. Matt, do we have a price? Everyone open your favorite Bitcoin app and market buy Bitcoin right now. Maybe we can, maybe we can push that price up before we quote it. <laughs> I do not have a price. Can someone yell out a price? $13,250. That is cheap as fuck. How fast can we get a block height from somebody? Block height? Anybody? 580,000 I don't know. Not enough. All right, whatever. We're going without the block height this week. Thank you for joining us on the roof here. What an incredible week this has been. Incredible conference by the BTC Media guys. Let's give a hand for those guys. Bringing together some beautiful Bitcoiners. Uh, for you freaks who are not uh, abreast of what we do here, this is our weekly topical show, Rabbit Hole Recap. So we're going to spit on some ideas, or excuse me, some topics that have been uh, in the news last week, first up, we got the Financial Action Task Force has officially released their guidelines. Um, Matt, what are your thoughts on these guidelines? Fuck them. <laughs> Let's, uh, no, I think it's important. A lot of people were worried about those guidelines in particular, but I think what uh, people have to realize, they're only guidelines. They haven't been implemented. They're, they're only suggestions, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that it should be expected. Like, we should expect them to crack down hard. Uh, on, on all of all, all of these private technologies, like if you're able to move money around the world, they're going to crack down on it. I don't think they're cracking down on it, though. Like from what I read, they don't have to change any laws, and the U.S. is already like following those those guidelines. So they don't need to pass any additional legislation. And like the ex existing KYC ML is fine. What I found interesting was a comment that the next chairman of that financial action, blah blah blah, is from China and they're probably going to have a very different approach to regulation than the US has uh, as the chairman so we'll see I think that they'll get more draconian but this wasn't it but don't they have a uh, don't they require you to know who you're sending Bitcoin to isn't that one of the that might be fun fact check it uh, I don't know I was thinking like you could just if you were like a Coinbase or something just check off uh, sorry about that storm. any lawyers here I can provide some insight on Canada, which is uh, really all I know about. And uh, I mean, we've been talking to Canadian, uh, the, the process of passing new legislation and bringing it to regulation and enforcing it is very long. It's a very long product cycle, I guess, to, to regulate. And uh, so as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I've been dealing with other Bitcoin companies, with the Canadian Ministry of Finance, with uh, Fintrack, with the uh, CRA. And uh, I cannot assess what the impact of FACTA is on us because, I mean, I, I'm not accountable to FACTA. I'm a Canadian citizen. I'm accountable to my own regulators and my own politicians. And, I mean, if FACTA is going to tell them that what they've been doing for the last six years, trying to regulate this as, uh, as money in the Canadian uh, email contacts is, is, not, is not right and whatever they did as enforcement measures is not right, well, I mean, that's going to be an issue between uh, Canada and FACTA. But so far, I mean, I don't see any indication of any change from the Canadian regulators. And it's... It's been completely absent from the discourse, other than people seem to be worried on it on social media. I think what's important to note, it's like an unelected bureaucratic system, right? So it's, 
It's just guidelines. I don't even know what fact that I kind of know what it is, but I don't know these people. No, neither do I. It's like 30. I didn't vote for those people. No, it's like 38 countries (laughs) have band together to. Where do I complain? Where do I complain? Apparently, you have to go to to France. That's where it started. Can I write to my FACTA representative? Yeah, you can speak French, so I think you can. uh, I definitely have an advantage (laughs) because it's probably some European (laughs) elitist club that's based in Liechtenstein or something. Yeah. So, FATFA. FUD. FUD at this point. I think I'm going to call it FUD. I'll believe it when I see it. I will too. Um, what do we got next on the list? Iran. Let's go to Iran. It came. I've read about this this morning. It looks like some mosque in Iran are mining Bitcoin right now. Apparently, uh, the mosque are afforded uh, free energy uh, for being religious places. And somebody uh, posted a picture online of a mosque with a Bitcoin mining operation in there. I believe they said it was making about two hundred sixty thousand dollars a year in USD. I mean, if you have, if you have energy if you have subsidies that can be exploited on your energy like they're going to be exploited i mean we saw guys uh mining with asics in their trunk uh in germany because uh electric vehicles got free energy so he was just like i'm just going to plug into this electric vehicle point i mean people there's probably plenty of people here that did it in their dorm rooms dorm rooms are notoriously uh you know electricity is included so that's going to happen and then the other thing i kind of like about this is um pierre and, and bitstein have been major proponents of turning Bitcoin into a religion, which I think has a lot of benefits for us in America. <laughs> Pierre, what do we need to do to get to uh, religion status? Well, if Bitcoin was a religion, then we wouldn't have to pay capital taxes, right? Like, it'd be great. Um, I, I don't have anything to add to the mosque uh, situation. I don't know. God being the source of all energy in the universe, a mosque seems like a good place to mine Bitcoin to me. Agreed. <laughs> And we also have uh, the the increased Iranian sanctions. Yeah, no, I, I think that's important to note right now with the dick flexing on the geopolitical level that's going on right now. Trump is is tightening the sanctions on Iran, and this is a perfect example of Bitcoin being able to route around that. Um, so they're mining in mosque in Iran. Bitcoin is expanding its roots. And uh, one thing about uh, the Iranian situation is that for many many years you know people ask me like what's the uh, the trigger for for you be, like thinking hey hyper bitcoinization is coming like what's the one event and the the one event that i always talk about is international petroleum shipments that are settled in bitcoin because uh, I, I think what this is the situation with international trade is showing is that you are kind of ir- irresponsible if you are a exporting nation or exporting company and you don't have like a little stash of Bitcoin in case you need to make like an urgent payment to a contractor somewhere for your fleet of huge trucks to or from the guy to repair their pipeline or anything like that. Like if you need to make a payment on the fly to some, you know, quote unquote, like uh, maybe sanctioned country somewhere, uh, they're going to start to think about their shareholders a lot more than those those sanctions. And uh, I, I can't wait to see that happening. And I can't wait for Bitcoin to be harassed in the news as uh, a, a tool used by these countries to circumvent because that's going to be the biggest, like bullish buy signal for for institutions and people all over the place. They're going to see well if they're able to circumvent international U.S. sanctions. I mean, maybe this thing actually does what it says it does. Moon, moon. Speaking of moon, people have been stacking sats hard this week. We've had a, a big price pump. And uh, one of the big things around price pumps is narratives around it. People were going on Twitter, looking at Google search trends here in the States for Bitcoin to buy Bitcoin. And it seems like uh, nobody's been searching that here on Google, at least. But uh, 
somebody, I forget who it was I wrote about this morning. His name's uh, slipping my mind. Baidu? That's not his name. Baidu is the, the Chinese search <laughs> engine, the equivalent to Google. There you go. And, it did uh, slip his mind, guys. That's good. And uh, so in, in China, apparently, Baidu, their Google, the searches for buy Bitcoin, and Bitcoin have like 6 x over the last three months. So with everything going on in Hong Kong, with the trade wars, there's a lot of people speculating that this might be a cause for, for upwards Bitcoin price pressure. Let's take it to the uh, to the to the guest here. And Hong Kongers are also they're out they're out and about today, right? They're protesting right now. A good point that Nick Carter made today was that as Bitcoin gains the mainstream, search trends will be a decaying indicator of sentiment. As you know, people don't need to search what is Bitcoin anymore. Have searches for Bitcoin price moved any? I don't know. I haven't looked at that. And uh, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Bitcoin Tina. We had a talk about this uh, this morning and uh, the talk was, um, so, so the, ar the, the argument I think framed around the Google searches is that, oh, it must be a false pump driven by something nefarious somewhere that's causing this because clearly if we don't see the Google searches, it means that it's not organic demand. But if you look at the market right now and the liquidity on the order books and the fact that a lot of people, it's hard to get your hands on it's, it's hard to get your hands on bitcoins. I mean, realistically, if you get like 100 or 200 Wall Street guys to each put like five to 10 million, uh, they don't need to, as you said, they don't need to, 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 to Google like what is Bitcoin. Like a lot of these people have made up their mind a long time ago. They were preparing their logistics. They were preparing their custody. They were preparing a bunch of stuff. And now like me and a lot of people at this conference have told me, I thought we had more time to accumulate fuck, all this time I spent not, like, preparing my wallet and f doing all that stuff, like, ah, and now they're FOMOing in. And uh, so the, the Google searches are irrelevant because at this point, like, a, a, a couple of hundreds, a few hundreds, like, committed holders all over the world that were waiting for the right time and went in and FOMOing each other in. Uh, that's organic buys, too. The, the searches are irrelevant. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but every time I open Google, I search, what is Bitcoin? Just to uh, boost that number. And all you guys, you should do that too. It's important as Bitcoin. It's very important to pump the stats. We need to pump the stats whenever go. we can. Everybody go tweet. Everybody Google Bitcoin. And that was, that was a thing. Wasn't that Marad's thing early in the year? No, like nobody's tweeting about Bitcoin? Yeah, that tweet tracker doesn't work. At BitInfo charts, don't use that. It yeah. doesn't work. All right, um, on to announcements. Been a lot of announcements this week. I want to start with Cold Card, um, the air gapped multi sig stuff they're working on. So, Cold Card, for you freaks don't know, it's uh, run by uh, Rodolfo Novak. He's been making very good hardware for Bitcoiners everywhere. And Cold Card in particular is probably the creme de la creme of hardware wallets out there right now. And they're, they're working to make it so that Bitcoiners can do multi sig and uh, air gap security pretty easily. It's native, native air gap multisig, and that's like exactly what we fucking want, right? Yeah, um, and that's yeah. So that's saying like Bitcoin, obviously custody is one of the big questions. Privacy when you're using these custody devices, it seems like this is a step in the direction to help Bitcoin security and privacy for individual Bitcoin users. Any thoughts on the panel? Um, I, I obviously can't give technical expertise about the call card. Uh, but Colcard is one of the few companies that I would ever promote because I know that Rodolfo built the Colcard for himself 
and that uh, uh, as a friend and people in his entourage, uh, it, they have put such an amazing amount of dedication to making this the most secure piece of hardware like ever designed. Uh, I think we, we should pay a lot more attention to how they approach the hardware space because even though it's not as well marketed or well sold or, or uh, user friendly as the others, I think they're really paving the way for secure hardware and like, we should just look into it more. Yeah. Also at this point, I want to give a shout out to Moritz, Moritz, who's now designing a new hardware wallet and increasing the decentralization of that aspect of our industry. So kudos to you, my friend. Yeah, kudos All to the Moritz. best. Everyone get his shit when it comes out. Yeah, I got to run down. Guns and Bitcoin. I got to run down on that earlier. It looks really fucking cool. And, and on a more technical note, uh, what was really missing from the hardware wallet space was the ability to have automated signing of Bitcoin transactions, which are required for Lightning and for CoinJoin, for example, and mm -hmm. other uh, second layer schemes that are using Bitcoin transactions as, as, uh, as uh, the anchor. Um, so the ability that is being developed and is consciously being looked at by the hardware wallet designers and a new entrance in this space uh, to make that a reality is going to massively increase the security for enterprise usage of Lightning and CoinJoin. Um, so the hardware wallet space is like, it's pretty exciting. And, and, and really, uh, the, the amount of innovation in Bitcoin that's happening, I, I, like on the secure device side, is fantastic. I mean, I just want to point out that uh, Rodolfo is really the first person to launch a new hardware wallet that wasn't based on just having as many shit coins as possible. Yes. And I, I think that's really important. I think like you need to focus um, we're talking about securing, you know, multi-generational wealth, and, and you should do it properly. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't be trying to add like every fucking shitcoin in the book. I would agree. And let's give another shout out to Rodolfo, one of the first uh, people on earth to send uh, private keys via ham radio wave. There you go. Yeah. Um, no hardware wallet. It's important, like, and it's actually a scary space right now. Like Ledger and Trezor attacking each other. It's I like you. I love it. I love that they attack each other. I want them to just go to town. But it's, like it's, it's tough. Is people trying to educate? Like you're like, hey, this is secure, and then you find out that's eh, not really that secure at all. Also, on the topic of the meta security of your hardware wallets, this week Ragnar unveiled guns and Bitcoin, the Bitcoin case. I, uh, I think it's called the Scorpion. Ragnar, if you're out there, thank you for that product, man. Everyone go get one. Remember meta security, friends. Can you elaborate on meta security, please? Meta security. Your coins may be safe on your hardware wallet, but is your hardware wallet secure? Consider this. Nobody's talking about this. You, you are infinitely hey, more likely hey, to lose your... Hardware wallets are not meant for nature's pocket. Yes, and remember that's, that... That's why they rounded the end of the open dime. <laughs> uh, actually, true story. Um, but uh, uh, remember that you're, you're a lot more likely to lose your, Bitcoin, uh, your, your mnemonic or get it stol stolen from a, a loved one or someone in your space uh, than getting hacked by some remote hacker somewhere else. So don't forget that you're a human in meat space and be aware of your surroundings. Like... Like it's, it's not just, you know, crypto security that's preventing something. It's, it's usually very, very close to you. And so I, yeah. that's like an evil maid attack. Um, I think that I'll, I'll, I'll one up you on the attack. 
I think social attacks uh, hack more people than anything else. And um, hack their imagination with some uh, altcoin pipe dreams. How, how many people do you think are at this conference are, are wearing a wire? We're recording this live, so they're going to hear everything anyway. <laughs> and uh, yeah, for, for you guys worried about social attacks, I would go read uh, Michael Bitstein's Everyone's a Scammer. It's a, it's a timeless piece that, that really made this clear. Um, and, and I should add the, the most influential piece of writing for me, probably ever. That? Everyone's a Scammer? He's got a nice soundtrack to go with it, too, a nice Western song. You hit play, you read through that. Let's give a shout-out to Pierre's co-host, Michael, Michael Goldstein. What a legend. Um, speaking of legends, this is true. We should talk about this, actually, first. Yeah, um, Michael Goldstein is known for uh, spearleading the uh, carnivory movement within Bitcoin, uh, which has made a lot of people in this city very uncomfortable. Um, but uh, Michael's from Texas, so I think that people should take it into the cultural context and respect his background and experiences. In the words of a friend, Texas, the last place. The last place that changes you before you can change it. I, w I, w I was not a carnivore before uh, uh, Bitstein, the, the carnivore movement, and everybody kept confusing me with Pierre, saying, hey, you're a carnivore. Like, you're, I was like, I'm not a, I'm not a carnivore. And, and then eventually I started to, to uh, not only be a carnivore, but eat a lot more meat, and take a lot of pride and cook a lot more meat. And I have to say I feel much better and fantastic. And... Uh, uh, I'm not going to cut down on the carbs because bread is delicious uh, and pasta is fantastic. I agree. Uh, uh, however, eating more meat has definitely improved my life and grass-fed butter is the key to happiness. All right, question here. How, my, how many Bitcoin would we have to pay Michael Goldstein to eat an impossible steak? Would <laughs> he? Not even for Bitcoin? Wow, that's dedication. Dedication to the craft there. <laughs> We've got, all right, on to the next topic we got here. Okay, speaking of legends, Snowden today in the panel here, when he live streamed in, he admitted that he used Bitcoin uh, to send the, the data across servers. He paid somebody to send Bitcoin uh, when, he, when he did the big NSA uh, release. So I think that was the first time that ever came to light. Is this true? I mean, what else would he use? <laughs> <laughs> Snowden's a big PayPal bull. He's a very, he's very much a PayPal bull. He was a Zcash bull there for a while too. Yeah, I, ha I have actually a DM that he never responded to. That was four paragraphs why he shouldn't support D Zcash. What, what were your reasons? It was, it was mostly like organizational structure, right? Like literally, what Snowden showed us is that you can't have faith in U.S. corporations. Like U.S. corporations will bend the knee; they have no choice, and uh, you know, so take that into your threat model. And, yeah. and that's how I that's how I treated Zcash. Like from the beginning, it was just super naive. Yeah. Um, you guys have any thoughts on Snowden using Bitcoin? No? I have thoughts on everything all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we just recorded a podcast earlier. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, so Snowden said something that was a little. I, I find it contradictory in his logic, which was that he. I remember him saying that there was selective privacy and opt-in privacy was was problematic. It, privacy should not be opt-in, it should be by default, and you, it was along those lines, I don't remember, I think he called it selective privacy, which I agree with totally, I mean, privacy is the right to selectively yourself, uh, selectively reveal yourself to the world, 
on your own terms and your own time. But uh, doesn't Zcash like have you need to have those? Yeah, it's innately some, not some private. special transaction yeah, that the, 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 the people don't use. I, I don't know. Yeah, this is this is actually another important point to bring but, up. Like Ethereum, Zcash is making Zcash 2.0 as well. <sighs> I think they're trying to extend the uh, the dev reward there. Is that what they're doing it for? Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> what is Bitcoin doing? Are we going to have a Bitcoin 2.0? <laughs> we'll never know. We'll never know. Or we may know one day. We're already living. We're already living in Bitcoin 2.0. Is that what Bcash is? No. No. <laughs> Bitcoin 0.25. That's actually I don't want to shit on Ethereum too hard, but do you guys Let's have thoughts on, on uh, Ethereum basically giving up an Ethereum 1.x or whatever they're calling it and, and making a whole new chain in Ethereum 2.0? These three have a lot of thoughts on this. Yeah. So um, uh, Vitalik tagged me in a thread on Twitter <laughs> and uh, asked for my thoughts on, on Ethereum 2.0. So I did go <laughs> and read about Ethereum 2.0, which I guess I regret in hindsight. But... Um, uh, it basically came down to um, how to enforce monetary policy, right? And Bitcoin's way of enforcing monetary policy is very straightforward, whereas the way he was explaining to me uh, was very complex and involved uh, new uh, fraud proofs. And I'm not technical enough to know fraud proofs. Uh, maybe Paul Stork here would have some ideas on fraud proofs and whether they'll be included in Ethereum 2.0. Ethereum, oh my god. How much, you know, how, how, okay, all right. Paul, take as long as you need. To explain Ethereum, Ethereum fraud proofs? Oh, my God. Who knows what? <laughs> no, I wrote a 46-page thing about Bitcoin fraud proofs, but I don't know about, well, what will Ethereum include? They'll include everything. They'll put everything in. They'll throw everything. They'll have ghosts. They'll have proof of stake. They'll have some inflation, but not too much. They'll have sharding. They'll have everything. Everything will be in Ethereum 2.0. Yeah, apparently, Ethereum everything 2 you could solved. even dream, things that you didn't even know that you didn't want, you'll, you'll, you'll have. <laughs> you, I thought you were asking me about Ethereum fraud boost. <laughs> Panic and leave. Paul, why don't you give us a quick explainer of why proof of stake is not uh, as secure as proof of work? If possible. Oh well, no, that's actually that's not what I'm really famous. For. I'm famous for saying it, even if you got it to work, it would waste just as many resources in the economy, and that's. That's really what I do believe, because you're auctioning off the next block, really. The next block is worth a certain amount of cryptocurrency, and that has a market price. And so it's basically the block is worth a certain amount of fiat currency. You just multiply. And so it's as if someone's auctioning off $15,000 or something. And so what's the, what's the price going to be when someone's auctioning this off? It's like auctioning off a briefcase full of $15,000. It will go for basically $14,999.99. Basically, and so no matter what scheme you use, it's going to waste the same amount of resources. And then, so yeah, the proof of stake thing is even more pointless than you could can you could have possibly imagined. But in addition to being pointless, it's totally broken and has never been demonstrated to work. The whole thing is like a scheme to trick yet another generation of people. What's really truly crazy about it? Let's make one final comment is that for Ethereum, it's always like three months away. It's been three months away ever since. I remember at Scaling One, I made this joke. I made the same joke in September 2015 that, that it was like three months away and then three months away again. And then that was back in 2015. And yeah, it is negative. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to yeah. shield my negative Lindy effect thread. It's been going so, on for so almost what, two what, years now. Um, 
Th- so their next their next deadline that they set is the 11th uh, anniversary of the Genesis block. So January 3rd is the next deadline we have to hold them to. The, the ultimate lesson is do not listen to us for financial advice because Paul did this very short rant, but imagine like an hour and a half of it, and I just listened to it. It's summer 2015, yeah. and Paul, then following that, we developed a thesis that, of course, Ethereum will never work. And of course, it's going to zero as soon as it launches, because no idiot would ever buying to that fucking shitcoin. And we were mining Ethereum with GPUs in our basement because we had the competitive advantage of being insiders, which is how cryptocurrency bullshit works, because we were on the forums and we were looking at it, and we had a techie guy that installed the Ethereum GPU on some the the the, 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 the old GPUs we had from Bitcoins uh, that would tick out of the closet, and, and we were selling it for like $1, laughing our asses off like, <laughs> who the fuck is going to buy this? And uh, don't listen to us ever for financial advice. No, not financial advice. Let's give a shout out to Paul. Go check out truthqueen.info. He's the only man who writes two-hour blogs that would sit down and read. Um, so thank you for your service. Um, E2.0, next deadline we have to look at January 3rd, 2020. Uh, Let's get positive. Ooh, here's a good topic. We got a new maintainer of Bitcoin Core. Michael Ford uh, was named co-maintainer, joining four others. uh, Vladimir Vanderlaan, Schnelli, Falk, and Dobson. Um, Pierre, you're probably more... Well, uh, yeah, he's awesome, and um, little known fact about him, he runs a farm in Australia. That's his, his, yeah, his day job is farming, and uh, he moonlights as a Bitcoin Core uh, contributor, and uh, he's just a, a great person to have on the team. Wait, like a, a mining farm or like an no, like an actual farm? farm. No, 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 I've heard from James O'Byrne. An actual farm? I've okay. heard I've Here's heard from James O'Byrne that he's like the fastest to, to give feedback on, on pull requests when, when they get had. Yeah, uh, anytime someone opens a pull request, he's he's the person who tags it to kind of triage where it's going to go. And uh, I don't know, like he's on a separate time zone, but that doesn't still explain why he's up 24-7 doing this while operating a actual farm. Any word if he's related to Henry Ford? As really the Bitcoin core process is the furthest thing from Fordism. Insofar as Bitcoin evolves organically and in an emergent fashion, Ford was highly platonic, top-down fascist. We got the wind here. I think uh, I think we're down to open it up to, to audience questions. I don't know. I don't think Ford was a fascist. You know, I'm just I'm just gonna put that one out there. I don't know I'm enough like, of his history to. to I, make I'm I'm a, I'm happy with Ford. I think he was like good American. He just made a lot of money. He just said he had a good idea. You know, it was good. It was good. It was yeah. good. Quality. Yeah. So this is uh, something we only do on live shows, and unless you're willing to pay fifty dollars worth of Bitcoin to get a shout out on the podcast, we did this in January, our 10th anniversary show. We open up questions to the audience. So if anybody you have questions out there that you want to ask this panel in particular, let's jump into it. First question, here we go. How good is Libra? Libra? (laughs) Sell your Bitcoin, buy Libra. Libra the standard. I heard a Harvard economist say that Libra would obviously take Bitcoin down to zero. So must be true. Goodbye, guys. I uh, refuse to care. Yeah. 
Go ahead, man. It's bullshit, all right? It's not even going to fucking launch. The, he went too bold. He like tried to be a central bank right from the get go. He should have done. He should have done pegged. He should have done pegged fiat, just done USD stablecoin, and then decided to be a central bank after the fact. Instead, he went straight central bank. He's proving why decentralization is important, why you need distribution, and and they're gonna fucking throw the book at him. They're just gonna fucking destroy him. They hate Facebook. Everyone in government hates Facebook. They shouldn't have let it. They fucked it up. And they're gonna, you know, it'll, it'll. I don't even think it's gonna launch. I think it's just all bullshit. I think something really positive came out of it, though, on CNBC. Yeah, Joe Kernan, who is a commentator and anchor on CNBC, uh, his first reaction to Libra was, "This isn't a cryptocurrency. Like, th this isn't decentralized. What the fuck are you guys doing? Can we swear out here? I don't see any kids around. Um, but." Uh, and, and then he got a very positive response from that on uh, Bitcoin Twitter. And now he's become a Bitcoin evangelist and he's on national television pumping Bitcoin. Thanks to Libra and Mark Zuckerberg, who's probably just trying to be vindictive against the Winklevi twins. <laughs> that isn't... Yeah, Mark Zuckerberg owns Bitcoin. Oh, well, he does now. Yeah, for sure. Well, if, if he didn't, his advice and we would be meaningless. Well, I saw he's tweeting out he's reading the blockchain revolution, so let's hold on on, on our applause of Joe right now. But uh, no, Libra, yeah, definitely overtly coming at the, the uh, Winklevi twins and their Gemini product. It's, it's pretty overt. But I, I, I'm so confused by how people react at these things because, like, this is a basket of, crypt, of, of national currencies which is traded... It's, it's, it's not novel. It's not gonna. Tr it's not gonna go up in price. It's no. It's not novel. It's like an SDR, basically. It is the SDR. The IMF. Yeah, the IMF. They invented this. Well, they are. For sh I don't know what they are incorporated as, but they are incorporated in some country as something, and they invented this, the ultimate fucking shitcoin, which is the the basket of national currencies that that has crazy backdoor politics with like uh, international leverage with war and death and all sorts of garbage and like Facebook's like I'm gonna tokenize this <laughs> no and it's it's, fuck it's, off. it's patently absurd because okay it might okay it might be better uh, it might be easier to buy Bitcoin with Libra if this thing ever exists because it looks like a press release I, I don't yeah think no, it, that's not it, but like it, it might be better to buy Bitcoin with Libra because uh, the, the, the whatever organization is gonna do its KYC before and have all the friction there and then once you have that coin whose fiat reversibly bank payment has been cleared and then they can go and do, buy Bitcoin maybe it's gonna help Bitcoin but it's profoundly marginally innovative and uninteresting yeah and the uh, I'm pretty sure the ECB's come out ardently against it and there's going to be a finance committee meeting on it in july 16th i believe yeah so i think that the harder governments crack down on libra the more it shows the value that bitcoin has so uh if you're going to be voting in this election uh, i don't know if maxine waters is getting reelected, but uh vote for maxine waters she's the uh chairperson of the uh, house finance committee or senate committee anyway She's the one who uh, wants to crack down on Libra, so she has my full support. I think that the most interesting thing about the Libra announcement is the fact that corporations now openly wink 
or acknowledge even that we are in the post-political era, that the official discourse of monetary policy has been foreclosed. It no longer belongs to the central bankers, no more than, say, the discourse on free expression and free speech belongs to the First Amendment. It belongs to large social platforms now and the internet cloud. And, and they acknowledge it. They acknowledge it. They'll take the, they'll take the money. They'll take the money too. Are you preparing to say something? Libra. I, uh, I think Libra we're officially at five drinks, Matt. I think Libra the Sanders <laughs> is going to happen. No, I, I, I just think that it is a big deal. I think that they are trying to be a central bank. It is a big deal. And this is exactly why, like, decentralization is important. That's why we want, you know, as, as distributed, we want as many people. All you motherfuckers came to the conference. You came to a Bitcoin conference. You paid them $300. You can buy a nodal for $400. So you have no excuse. You have no excuse. You should be running a fucking node. You should be like, like Bitcoin is us fucking them, right? Yeah, it's true. Let's, uh, let's speak to the man that's trying to help people run nodes easier. Pierre Rochard here with your node go. launcher. Can we get a, an update on the node launcher? Yo, yo, Pierre, when tour? Yeah, so uh, Master Branch now has Tor on by default, and so our next release will have that where it'll start start Tor, it'll start Bitcoin D, it'll start LND, and uh, by default you'll have privacy. Um, so we'll see how it, it behaves in the wild. Uh, send us bug reports and whatnot. Um, new release will be out in the next couple of weeks. Um, and then after that, I really want to focus on hardware wallet integration. I think that that's... Uh, become a, a very important part of the day-to-day -day Bitcoiner uh, experience is sending money from and to a hardware wallet. So um, there are really good uh, programs out there. I, you know, Electrum is fantastic. Um, but I think that there's opportunities with Lightning specifically to be able to open channels directly from a hardware wallet and closing them to a hardware wallet um, rather than having to also have a hot on-chain wallet on your computer. I think that's really a big deal, right? Like we need we need hardware wallet support for for Lightning, uh, and, and and the issue is that you need it to be online to sign, right? Like you need it to sign any kind of channel changes. Yeah. So second shout out to Maritz, uh, who is working on a hardware go. wallet that um, will essentially function like. Um, uh, an HSM that you would have on right. on a motherboard or whatever, um, which would allow you to yes be signing in a automated manner uh, messages and uh, transactions, uh, which you need to be doing for Lightning. You can't uh, run Lightning from a cold wallet, and that's one of its... But what's even better is that they, they enable it remotely, right? So so you basically have to you have to compromise two locations. Like, yeah. if you want to compromise that Lightning node. I mean, the, the, the big issue for us, I think, is for routing nodes, right? I mean, if we look at this stage right now, we have like 4% of Lightning Network. Is on is is on the stage right now, right? So um, I mean, I mean, it's mostly you, Pierre. It's mostly you. Like you're the you're the fucking lightning boss, right? Like that's what we came in. I, I think some of the metrics can be misleading. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, there you go. But uh, I do I do agree that I, I don't think that it's a hardware issue right now that is the bottleneck on uh, lightning network growth. Um, I think that it's uh, mostly education and. Uh, it's a very, like you have to understand Bitcoin very well in order to understand Lightning very well. 
um, and it exposed gaps in my own Bitcoin knowledge where I had to understand how inputs and outputs work better than I had in the past, um, and a lot of these different new opcodes relate to time locking. So it's like you've got to learn a lot to um, become comfortable with the trust model of Lightning and understand what its trade-offs are, and then uh, be willing to participate uh, as a routing node. So hopefully we'll have more uh, whales like Ellen Big. Just um, he, I mean, it's to me it's kind of annoying that people have given him grief. It's um, Matt. It's me. It's mostly me. I've been giving him grief. I know. I've been I'm giving just, a lot I'm of grief. Subtweeting you right now. Yeah. Uh, you're subtweeting me on my podcast. This is what you're doing. Absolutely. I love you. I love you. I appreciate that. That's the nice part of being an influencer. You no, know, I like Ellen Big. He's in my DMs. I've been DMing Ellen Big or, or her. I, I, I wish, day. yeah, I wish there were more Ellen Bigs. And I think that um, if we want Bitcoin to scale over the coming decades, because we have, like, if we if we want to continue using Bitcoin with the same same trust model we currently have, um, and not have it become decentralized. We need to uh, push Lightning forward, even though it's kind of premature and people complain about, oh, you know, I'm not spending, I'm not spending day to day. I'm using my credit card, so why would I need to be on Lightning? Well, because one day you're going to want to have uh, Bitcoin payments and have that scale. Um, so there's a lot of work to be done on Lightning, and I'm very excited about what's been done so far. Part of the reason I, I like I have issues because Bitcoiners. We we care, right? So so we we say it's reckless. You don't want to uh, trade. Uh, you you don't want to 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 be on Lightning because it's reckless, right? But the altcoiners are saying, like you know, buy Tron, buy bullshit, right? So they're already being way more reckless than us. Like we're like to saying the trade-offs, and they're just fucking going for it. And uh, I feel like for Bitcoiners, like we should just run Lightning notes, you know, run them through Tor. Uh, help, help. Add Focus on decentralization, security, and robustness. Run CoinJoin, right? Yeah. Like CoinJoin the fuck out of all of your coins. Like <laughs> fuck them. Like let's just fucking go for it, guys. Like I, I, I you, you say to me, oh, will CoinJoin transactions be illegal? Well, if CoinJoin transactions are illegal. Then we're fucked as Bitcoiners. Like, if you have Bitcoin, you're fucked. It's worthless. Like, if, if I can't spend an anonymous Bitcoin transaction, then you're fucked. It doesn't matter if you're on a Coinbase or whatever. It, do, it, it doesn't fucking matter, right? Do we agree? I agree. Do we all agree? No, it, it doesn't matter if CoinJoin is illegal or not at all. It's possible. To be, to be a CoinJoin coordinator, there's, there's different methods of CoinJoin, right? There's coordination like Wasabi and Whirlpool, and there's like, the uh, order book version, join market, but CoinJoin is not illegal. And if they do make CoinJoin illegal, one day, it will be the day I disappear and you never see me again, and then another CoinJoin service pops up somewhere in some other country. Because CoinJoin can only be blocked by censoring services physically, by going into their, their place of business and showing off the servers. It is a software that suggests Bitcoin transactions to the users. Hey, you you all want to mix your UTXOs? This is a this is a really nice transaction for you to do that. And if if you want to do it, you can just all sign it. It does include a little little fee for myself, of course. Yeah. 
but it will it will allow you to collaborate with other people around the world you've never met and you will never see again and you'll never do and it's beautiful and magical and i think in like 10 years 15 years harvard mit uh, wharton will be teaching the coin join coordination model as the first truly decentralized bankless business model that's scalable and works and it's so beautiful to see and uh, i think yeah it's 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 okay. Gentlemen, we have a two-minute warning here. Let's end it on the most bullish comments we can. I'll start. My ex-employer, Barstool Sports, uh, wrote their first Bitcoin article in many months, uh, five days ago, and that's a very bullish sign in my mind. Okay. Um, it's probably going to correct, right? <laughs> no, we're just going to the moon. That's what's happening. Uh, I think I told Marty before that I have a sailboat, so today I'm announcing uh, concierge boating accidents. <laughs> White club. <laughs> Yo, Bitcoiners should really take some boating lessons because I feel like a lot of us, like, we like capsize. It's just bad, you know? Like, why? Why? We learn how to boat. We got to learn how to boat. Francis, do you have anything to end on here? Um, I'm, uh, sh sure. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to put you on the spot. You don't have to say anything. Uh, well, uh, in, in, in Cypherode, uh, we're going to integrate a uh, Wasabi daemon in Cypherode to give a web API for uh, startups that want to accept Bitcoin payments to have uh, them accepted directly in a Wasabi daemon. And uh, Cypherode.io, if you're developing a web app, uh, this allows you to uh, run your own uh, enterprise grade backend that we have used in bull Bitcoin for the last year and a half and all of our volume is going through Cypherode so I can assure you that it works and uh, you don't ever have to rely on a third-party Bitcoin API like uh, some of the conference sponsors BitGo, Coinbase, BitPay, Blockchain Info, all these guys and just trust your own self. Bang bang. I, I, I want everyone first of all six drink you mat. should all be fucking we're at, we're at seven drink mat and honestly <laughs> Guys, I expected 15k per Bitcoin, so like, fuck you all, first of all. So like, we, we, we get down with that. Care about your fucking privacy, guys. Like, fucking coin join. Let's coin join. Everyone should coin join. Don't give me the bullshit about coin joins being illegal. Like, they can make Bitcoin illegal. We're not gonna fucking do that. Like, that's not allowed, okay? And then the second thing is, like, just be a good person, you know? Like let's let's Hold all be door. good people. To Hold each other. the door. Honestly, this 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 week this week has been amazing. All you guys have come up to me. You're like we're all part of this revolution together, and I I believe I believe that's what we are. We have soldiers around the world, so let's do this, and and, and care about your privacy. Let's do this. You know? All right, that's all we got tonight, freaks. Peace and love. Stay humble, stack sets.
Parker Lewis, please report to the principal's office.